Welcome to another episode of Green with Envy. Fresh off a Celtics last second victory over the Detroit Pistons, we are joined today as always by the chicken wing king, the Brazilian burp, and the man who finally introduced me to my latest addiction, Settlers of Catan, Will Weir. How you feeling, brother? What up, what up, what up, man? I uh, gotta be honest, a little nervous introducing you to a new addiction. You are a man of, let's call it delights. If something, <laughs> if something sparks your interest, let's just say that you go all in on it. So I don't know if this is gonna be, uh, if this is gonna be for the best or not. <laughs> I just hope I'm not the guy that just ruins it for everybody, just like consistently challenging people to games of settlers. Because we had that tournament last night, and I, I just like. I was up until 3 a.m. I, I was like so jacked up. I actually won the losers bracket, um, so I won that <laughs> losers tournament. And I got home and I, I couldn't fall asleep until 3 o'clock. We were playing till midnight, um, so you know I got in pretty late anyway. But I threw on some episodes of uh, Cobra Kai and I was just kind of riding the high of winning that losers bracket. Yes, another big development this weekend. Cobra Kai is back, man, and I, I gotta you know I gotta shout you out on this. Uh, Cobra Kai came out a couple years ago on YouTube. I think it was YouTube was trying to get into the content game. And I think this is what they were trying to ride to, you know, get their name into the Hulu and Netflix mix and all that. And for whatever reason, it never really took. But I got to say, you were from day one, Cobra Kai, ride or die, tried to get me hooked on it. I didn't listen to your advice then. It came onto Netflix during quarantine. And I was, we st I started watching it. Me and Lorena started watching it. And I kept telling her, and I couldn't remember at the time. I was like, there's somebody that was like trying to get me to watch this on YouTube, but I was just not going to buy YouTube for this. And now I regret having wasted years not watching the first two seasons of Cobra Kai. So I got to give you a, a big hand clap for that. What do, you, what do you think of the new season so far? Well, I don't want to put out any spoilers. Uh, no out spoilers. There for no people. spoilers. Um, but it's Just great. It's great. You know, it's it's got the. Um, I, I love the the vibe between the two adult main characters. Um, really interested to see how uh, Johnny Lawrence bounces back right now. You know, he's down in the gutter once again, and you know, I want my man Johnny to succeed. It's funny how the show kind of set up. Um, Daniel's son to almost be the villain, you know, it's kind of like giving you the multiple perspectives. I, I, I like how they're, um, given the, the background story of, mm -hmm. of Johnny Lawrence's sensei, uh, running Cobra Kai. Uh, what's, what's his name? I can't remember uh, his name right uh, now. Crass? Crease, Crease, Crease. I was going to say Crass, yeah. yeah. So it's really cool <laughs> seeing like, you know, they're setting that, that idea up of, you know, the, good versus evil and at what point does somebody's decisions start mm -hmm. like taking you down what other people would call good or evil and like the decisions that you have to make um as a human being so it's really cool how they're like exploring these kind of deeper themes and you kind of see that reflected in the younger kids as well and how it's all generational so um that that stuff's really cool just as like a a, a story as someone who aspires to be a good storyteller and an english teacher it's just really cool watching it i've actually shown cobra kai in my classroom um, um, just like after the state test and kids just want to watch something, you know, I don't want to teach. So I'm like, don't tell, don't tell my bosses, but you know, every once in a while I'll show, I'll show the episode no. of Cobra Kai and they love it, man. The kids but love it's it. The perf it's the perfect show for that. That's one of the things that I think they've blended so well. It has the right amount of nostalgia with 
cheesiness with actual, you know, topical humor that that works for, you know, adults or it could be teenagers or even younger kids that I'm sure, you know, watch this show or just getting into the legend of of the Karate Kid. And then all of it's done in a way that you just talked about, where it's actually telling this really like in-depth or if you really want to peel back the layers of it and you can get deep into, you know, the different character arcs of, of where all these people that are within this universe came from. And something you touched upon is like, you're right, it kind of makes the Ralph Macchio character, Danielson, kind of like, you're kind of almost not rooting for him in most of the show. And I didn't know this, but I was listening to um, Simmons' podcast where he had Billy Zapka, who plays uh, Johnny Lawrence on. And I actually didn't know about this. Um, I looked it up a little bit afterwards. But did you know that there's like a whole, like if you go into YouTube, you can find, um, like in Reddit as well, I'm sure Reddit has all the all the deep theories on it, but about how uh, Danielson is actually the bad guy in the original Karate Kid. Yeah, and I, I like how self-aware Cobra Kai is about all those theories as well. Like, I, the, I'm only through episode three, and I don't want to spoil too much right here, but there's that one scene where they're at the parent-teacher conference, and uh, Danielson speaks up, and you just hear somebody shout out from behind him, like, I actually heard that you were the bully. Yes, <laughs> and he, dude, and he I turns around dying. freaking furious. I, I just love when so shows good. are self-aware like that it's, it's really funny man hey one, one thing i want you to uh keep an eye out i think we should transition here in a second um yeah keep an eye out for daniel son's reactions and i just want you to to imagine joe baresi shout out to our former uh jv baseball coach he has the same mouth expressions as joe baresi when baresi was just like furious or something <laughs> he does the same <laughs> thing with this lip it's unbelievable god i really wish for those of you listening that you had the experience of of knowing this man joseph baresi what an absolute legend of a human being to know and i don't necessarily know if i which if i mean that in a positive or negative way well let's just, just you just had to be there let's just say this like he was our jv baseball coach and the best stories that we can tell about him we literally can't tell on air because they're just like so not PC and not ready for 2020. The language that yeah. man used to use in front of us was absolutely hysterical. He was a great baseball coach, knew everything about the game, but he was just like, I mean, we were we were eighth grade or ninth grade. At the time. Uh, I think it was eighth and ninth grade or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, he was wild. And then, I mean, dude, we should we do a whole pod where we just talk about Baresi and Curly. <laughs> I was I was trying to go through my head of like an anecdote I could share to like expressed to those listening who we're talking about but like you said it, it's not ready it's not workshopped we'd have we'd have to edit ourselves so much that i don't, I don't want to put that pressure on you when you go back and try and create a final product of this podcast <laughs> and uh also by the way uh curly uh shout, shouts to curly yeah. struggling with some medical issues right now so prayers up for my man curly uh hope you get better soon coach um all right well let's transition into uh the celtics and you know Thankfully, didn't go down 0-2 against the Pistons in the in the back-to-back miniseries. These miniseries we talked about, how they're a great measuring stick to see how teams bounce mm-hmm. back from horrible performances. And the Celtics did it uh, today, and just like they did it against the Pacers, you know, they, they came out, they lost the front end of the back-to-back, but were able to pull out uh, victory on the, the rematch game. Um, so we're going to kick it to you, and why don't you go ahead and introduce the morning box score. 
Yeah, let's hop into it here. So as we're recording today, this is right after the second, as Greg mentioned, uh, of a two-game series against the Detroit Pistons. The final today was 122-120. to Jason Tatum with the game-winning shot with 2.9 seconds left. And for those of you on Celtics Twitter, it was not a three-point shot. We will get into that. Glad to see Jason Tatum coming in, hitting that shot from the elbow, the dagger with 2.9 left. A couple of highlights just to keep in mind as we're going through here, and we'll touch on this a little bit more in depth. Tatum today, 24 points, 8 rebounds, and a career-high 12 assists. Uh, something we'll talk about is his playmaking, how we've seen that grow and develop throughout this season. Marcus Smart, 17 points, 10 assists. Semi Ojale, nice game off the bench today. 11 points, made 3 threes. Something that we really need as the Celtics organization is just more players to pop from the bench. Semi happened to be that guy today. And of course, I have to mention our man, Jalen Brown. 31 points, 13 of 16 from the field. Jalen having an unbelievable week, building off a career-high 42 points earlier in the week for, against the Grizzlies. Uh, a couple of things to note from a team perspective. Today, on the positive end, 57% shooting from the field as a team. Ooh. On the negative side, 18 turnovers, six of which did come from Jalen Brown, so something the Celtics need to keep an eye on. Uh, no, the trend that we've been seeing is those higher turnover games are starting to cause some issues, but we're still able to come away with the victory today. At the tail end, Jeff Teague did leave the game with an apparent, I don't know if it was an ankle or a leg injury. Seems like it could be day-to-day, -day, but just something to keep a note on here. So with that, Greg, we're coming off a week where last three games here against teams that, you know, that were considered to be lesser than the Celtics in the hierarchy of the NBA. Grizzlies coming off uh, a game where they lost John Morant previously, blew him out. Then we go to this Detroit back-to-back end up with a split, ideally, especially while we're trying to keep the boat steady with Kemba out. We're looking to get a sweep, end up with a split. But let's start with the positives here. So let's go to the feeling good, feeling great. What you got for us? Well, I think you touched on it right at the end of that right there, is that Jalen Brown is finally making the leap. Jalen Brown is evolved. Um, and you know, the last time we did the morning box score, I got on Jalen a little bit, you know, he, he had just come off that a little bit of a stinker in the first game against the Pacers. He only took one three point shot. Um, we were talking about how TJ Warren kind of took him out of his game a little bit. Um, and we, we needed him to be more aggressive. And since then he has been far more aggressive looking for his offense and he, man, he's been going in, getting into his bag. Um, you know, I don't, I don't need Jalen shooting a majority of his shots from distance because he is the one of the few guys in the league who can score efficiently from all three levels. So his mid-range, bro, has been especially money so far this year. I mean, if you had to guess, what do you think Jalen Brown is shooting in the mid-range so far this year? Well, I have some of his numbers up here, so I have a, I have a decent estimate. But I know on two-pointers overall this year, he's, he's right around about 64 65%. Yeah, it's insane. He's actually shot. Nuts. So, you know, with this game, because he was perfect from two-point range today, so that's going to go up because um, all of his misses were from distance. Um, but he shot over 70% in the mid-range so far this year. And that's, a um, you know, in stark contrast to in the past where he's been a 45% mid-range shooter on similar shots. So, you know, we can't say that these numbers are sustainable. 
But I don't imagine that Jalen is going to necessarily ever be a bad shooter from the mid-range. And he can get his shot off whenever he wants. You know, and we, we always talk about Tatum. And, it, and sometimes, you know, the, the game comes so easily to Tatum that he almost overcomplicates things at times. Where he tries to, you know, there was that one of the plays today where I, I forget who he had switched on to him. I think it was Sadiq Bey. And Tatum took about, like, eight through the legs dribbles back to back. And it wasn't even like the James Harden through the legs where he's setting, setting you up and just waiting for you to mm-hmm. like step to the high side and explode by you. He was just like, it, it looked like someone had, you know, was playing 2k and was just mashing buttons all at once. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Tatum can definitely overcomplicate things because he has so much available to him. But Jalen just like is quick and decisive with all the moves that he's doing this year. And he's doing all of them at a really, really high level. And when you add on top of that, the Despite the six turnovers today, you know, he's making better reads. Some of the passes today, some of his turnovers were just like, it, it almost looked like he, he had a glitch or something like that. Like he had one pass looking for Tice that he sailed into the front row of the stands. Yeah. You know, so um, Jalen, you, you got to be super excited if you're a Celtics fan to see Jalen Brown becoming better than anybody ever thought possible this early into this season with the first year of his extension. Yeah, man, that uh, third-team All-NBA prediction is not looking so crazy seven games into the season. Absolutely on track for it. You know, one of the things that has been really amazing about Jalen Brown is right now he's averaging 11 made field goals per game. He's only two people to average over 11 right now are him and James Harden. That's it. That's the list. So, you know, Jalen putting himself into that upper echelon is, you know, and like you said, I think we have to still— you know, it's seven games, so we still have to, you know, have a little bit of a larger sample size. But like you said, I don't, I, I don't see this falling off a cliff, especially, you know, as as those that have followed the Celtics closely. This isn't entirely a surprise. We've seen Jalen Brown; he's had those true progressions, and I've seen a lot of comparisons. And I think this has always been kind of what we hope for Jalen Brown. You looked at guys, and this is super hard to replicate. So this is, you know, not easy to do. But you look at the guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, the guys who weren't immediately out the gate, the number one scorer, the best defender, but they developed that all around game. And I know right now people aren't high on Paul George, but if you could have told, if, if someone, if when you drafted Jalen Brown, you said, hey, this guy's going to be, you know, a, a Paul George type player, that's a home run. That's a fucking home run. There's, there's, there's no doubt about that. And I think we're starting to see Jalen really come into his own, especially uh, which you and I have talked about. This is the Jays team. This is them without training wheels on right now. And especially uh, without Kemba, this is allowing them to find their footing. And we're getting to see a lot of this where, you know, the Jays and specifically Jalen, where he's starting to control, especially I noticed in that, in that first quarter where Tatum's usually the one that gets the initial break. Jalen's the one that's controlling that, you know, secondary offensive unit where he's that main player. Um, You know, what what have you been your thoughts on just Jalen as far as, you know, that's one of the added responsibilities that Jalen's taken on this year. What have you seen from him when he's been that main guy without Tatum through seven games? I mean, I, I've seen more than I ever thought I would see from him, to be honest, man. I, like, I, My prediction coming into this year was that Jalen was going to struggle in that role. I knew Brad was going to give him the opportunity, you know, because you, you got you to gotta try it out. It, you can't rely on Marcus Smart running your second unit and just doing pick and roll with Marcus Smart. It's just not yeah. going to produce enough high-level looks for an offense. Like, Marcus can take over from time to time because he is a good playmaker. But we needed Jalen and Jason to really step up into that role. And, you know, he... 
he's looking for his shot. So I think that's one of the things that makes uh, Jalen so deadly is he's always looking to score, right? And then he's he's starting to make reads, really high-level reads, you know, because he's so aggressive and because he's always looking to score, the defense needs to be paying attention to him. But he's looking to score, but he still had his, has, has his head up. You know, he doesn't have tunnel vision anymore. And he's making some really nice plays. Like there was that one play, um, Scal brought it up during the game where Jalen drove right, uh, double team came when he got into the paint and he did a little dump off the semi for a layup. And, and Scal was like, I, I don't think... I ever thought Jalen Brown would make that pass. And and mm-hmm. I, I don't I wouldn't go that far, but Jalen, you know, he's he's got really great instincts. Um or he I don't know if it necessarily they're instincts or if he's learned uh the reads, but either way he's been phenomenal running that second unit because he, he is looking to score and no one's stopping him right now. And then, you know, when the defense does overcommit to him, he's he's not afraid to make the extra pass. And that's something that Celtics fans probably didn't see coming. Yeah, and I think for me, one of the things that I've noticed about Jalen here early on that's that's definitely a new feeling is, you know, and I think we experienced it a little bit with with Tatum last year when you feel like Tatum's in a zone or you feel like a certain, and this, this, is, this can apply to anybody that's listening of any team that you're a fan of that, that has a star player and you feel like, oh, they're taking over. Even if it's for these next five minutes, they're taking over this game. There's You feel like every shot they take is going in. And, you know, especially with the Grizzlies game earlier this week, today you went 13 of 16. Um, and you've seen it a couple of the, the Milwaukee game to start the season as well. There are moments where you just feel like, man, give Jalen the ball and I trust everything that's about to happen right now. Yeah. And it's this supreme confidence as a fan just yeah. watching Jalen Brown where I'm expecting every shot to go in now. There's not a shot that I think, you know, I think in years past there's times where you know, I'm a little like, oh, I don't know if I felt great about that shot. I don't think there's a shot Jalen Brown can take right now that me as a fan am going to feel bad about. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that last play uh, right before, you know, um, Tatum hit the game winner, Tatum drove, drew, drew the defense and kicked it out to Jalen. And Jalen kind of hesitated for a split second. And I thought that was that shot was going to come up short because of that because of the hesitation. And it didn't. It was still money. Um, and you're right, man. Jalen, every shot that he takes, you think it's going in. Uh, the mid-range is deadly. I think the next level for him is going to be when defenses start to realize, yo, we can't play drop coverage and pick and roll against Jalen Brown. Like Jalen, they, they haven't double teamed Jalen yet in any pick and roll mm-hmm. situations. So... As you saw with Tatum, you know, it, it, t- it takes a few games. It takes a season or so for you to start making the reads off of the double team. But if teams want to continue to sit and drop coverage against Jalen Brown in the pick and roll, he is deadly from mid-range, as we've seen. And he's getting really good at snaking the screen, just like Chris Paul does. Chris Paul is made famous and just get into that little mid-range floater game. And his, his mm-hmm. floater game has been unbelievable. And the way that he shoots all those mid-range shots is so much more fluid than how Tatum does it. You know, Tatum kind of always has to, um, it, it, it looks awkward, right? When Tatum shoots a floater shot, um, it, it, it always looks like he's going to just like throw the ball out of bounds, <laughs> you know, and somehow comes up really, really soft. Like if you watch Jeff Teague, Jeff Teague can get a floater whenever he wants, but he doesn't have the touch, right? So yeah. some of them will brick off the glass and some of them will come up super short. And right now, Jalen has the best touch around the rim. I mean, dude, last year at the rim, I know this is a little bit different, but Jalen shot over 70% at the rim last year on layups and dunks, you know, and this year he's continuing that. So one of the things with him scoring at all these levels, man, 
going into the game tonight, he had a pretty much even distribution from all the on basketball reference, right? It breaks it down from at the rim, three to 10 feet, um, 10 to 16 feet, or I think it's like 10 to maybe like right before a three point range and then three point range. And he had like an even distribution of the number of shots he's taking from all levels of the floor, which I mean, that that meets the eye test because it looks like Jalen Brown can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants against anybody on the floor. Um, So, I mean, Celtics fans have got to be absolutely stoked to see a fully evolved Jalen Brown. Yeah, he's he's been a beast this year. There's there's just no other way to to state that Jalen Brown has been an absolute beast this year to start the season for the Celtics. Um, but I do want to touch on the the play that you referenced at the beginning of that, where you talked about you know learning to deal with double teams, which is something that Jason Tatum is is doing more of right now. And you saw that pretty heavily today with a lot of the blitzes that that the Pistons were throwing at him. And as I mentioned, the morning box score twelve assists in today's game for Jason Tatum, a career high. Um, Right now, he's only averaging three assists per game through the first seven. Um, would like to see that be a little bit higher, but I really thought today he made he showed a lot of where his playmaking has ascended to and can be at different times. He made a lot of passes today that I'd previously, much like we talked about with Jalen, you know, wouldn't necessarily associate with Tatum being able to make that and one to Tristan Thompson late down low was a play where I would have seen him maybe force something earlier in his career. And then that pass to Jalen Brown, which at the time, I believe either tied the game at 120 or put us up by three. Um, I can't remember exactly, but it was the shot before he ended up hitting the game winner. But I want to touch on a little bit of Jason Tatum's playmaking because I think that's one of the next steps that we're looking to. We know the issues with the free throws. That will be something that is monitored and discussed on Celtics Twitter throughout the year. But for now, I want to just focus on on his playmaking and, you know, with the career high and assist today what do you see today and what have you seen throughout the year of Jason Tatum learning to deal with those double teams and improve his playmaking yeah so this is a good uh, good moment to transition into the Willie May coach's corner um, so this is actually what I had picked out to shout out to our guy coach Willie hey, May coach Willie um, so with Tatum you know with his playmaking I think the biggest thing right now is that the, 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 I would imagine they have to be talking about this in practice and talking about this in the film room. Because if you think back to the the Pacers series, right, where the Pacers were the first team that like really, really started blitzing and doubling Tatum hard. And he had those like back-to-back possessions to start the game where Sabonis was the one that jumped out and doubled him. And he like, he got into the really awkward position on the sideline and tried to throw the ball off Sabonis's leg. Cause he was just like, how do I deal with this right now? Like I've never, I've never seen this before. Yeah, Even it, though he it did was see like, it. It was like, a, it was a panic mode almost. For sure. Yeah. And he was, he was kind of just like expecting to be able to just like dribble by Sabonis. And that's not like an easy thing to do. It's just like explode by a, a double team that is designed to take the ball out of your hands. Like not yeah. many people can do that. So, what I what I've seen from him, and especially today, which is where I've seen it the most, and this is what um, it, it looked like. Stevens made a great adjustment because with that double big lineup, um, we really need to a, a way to manufacture efficient offense. And that's what was killing us at the beginning of the first Detroit game is we couldn't score the ball because there's just not enough weapons on the court. If we're going to run like the normal offense that we run, which is, you know, based around um, ball movement and open shooters and stuff like that, that's not the personnel to run that offense with. So if we're going into this, this, um, 
double big lineup to start games, if Stevens is going to be stubborn and stick with it, we needed to find a way to manufacture that efficient offense. And it seems like this is the adjustment that Stevens found is that if he puts, um, if he overloads the one side of the court and he runs pick and roll action away, you know, towards that. So Tatum has the ball going towards the overloaded side and Tice is rolling into the, um, you know, the weak side of the offense. Then it's just, you know, Tice is pretty much playing two on one with Thompson in the dunker spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tatum, it just looked, he, he knew what he was doing today right is that okay this is what we talked about i saw it in the film room now i just have to make sure that the the guy who's in the corner right so if you're going to make that pass to to tice rolling into the uh the free throw line area you just got to make sure that the guy in the corner isn't going to jump that pass right so tatum did a really good job holding the guy in the corner with his eyes if you go back and watch some of those plays you have a shooter in the opposite corner so as a big ball handler this is what lebron is so good at and luke is so good at if you can just look at the guy in the corner right that's going to freeze that defender in the in the help position recovering out to the corner so that allows tice to catch the ball cleanly and then he has to make a read right if thompson's guy steps up it's just an easy dump down or a pass over the top to thompson if the guy in the corner comes over and tries to take it away then he just kicks it out to the corner or he could just shoot the jump shot so i mean that that's one of the things i was watching the game i said to myself this is the type of stuff that other teams it feels like do to us they find one thing that we like our defense is designed to allow and then they just exploit it in Mm -hmm. a a very smart way and they plan for it and game and game plan for it so although a lot of people especially my man bb7 rings big Double middle fingers up to you. Uh oh, we go we going um, down this rabbit hole again. No, nah, we don't need to, man. He has a, he has 136 <laughs> followers. He can just chill with us. Um, so we, <laughs> you know, if if you're gonna get on Stevens for in game adjustments, okay, okay, but like let let's understand that when it really counts and really matters, he's gonna have to make the adjustments from game to game in the playoffs, and hopefully he can you know do them in in the game. But if you can make those adjustments from game to game, which is what these two you know two game miniseries allows you to see if Stevens can do, you got to yeah. be very encouraged from what you saw from Brad because he he just out schemed uh, Detroit's defense all night, and we got whatever we wanted from the opening tip. Yeah, no, I think that's a, I think that's a great call, and, and and you touched on something there with the the two big lineup, which I think is something that's been very popular to to talk about and debate. So I, I want to transition a little bit, and it's going to be under our shit we don't like segment. Except I think it's really something we're not sure of yet, and this is something off air you and I were talking about before we hopped on. Is you know right now there's four main bigs that the Celtics are playing: Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice, and the Williams brothers, Robert and Grant. And the one thing that we seems to be constant with them is that if healthy, and you know I think he's still on somewhat of a minutes restriction, is that Tristan Thompson is going to be a big part of this team, big part of this offense. And you know we we talked about it on one of our last pods. He's just an absolute professional, and when you see him out there, you see how much of a difference he makes. The part that I want to talk to you about is about the other three bigs that we have. You know, with Robert Williams, we were all, I was in awe of the tip pass he made against the Grizzlies the other day. We've talked about, you know, his ascension with his ability to pass. The fact that he can come off the bench and sometimes give you a little bit of extra that some of those other guys can't. Um, You know, Tice has been a guy that Stevens has been very loyal to, had a very great, good game today against the Pistons. Um, And then Grant Williams has kind of been really up and down 
with minutes, with performance. It's kind of trying to figure out where he fits in. And so, like I said, this is under the shit we don't like segment, but I think it's really we just don't know. And, you know, beginning of the season, this is something that we've been able to learn under Brad over the last seven years or so. Early in the season, this is kind of an experiment experimentation phase for him to try and figure that out and I think these new two game series are a little bit of a wrinkle in that as well because then you're also adjusting to that same opponent whilst early in the season trying to figure out yourself and our own rotations so let's talk about the bigs for a little bit and you know what have been your thoughts on going with that two big lineup to start and then what would you like to see if if, you know if that's not the direction that that you think we should be going in well (sighs) couple things you said a lot there uh for, for first thing uh it's a mouthful that's what i do a, you know <laughs> uh, you you pick and choose we'll circle back it's all okay. good we're gonna we're gonna go roundabout here uh first thing i want to point out uh somebody on twitter i saw when uh robert williams made that pass they called him dime lord which i thought was hilarious um so we're gonna start calling him dime lord is that is that better than t- i know i know you object to time lord so is that is that better for you no, I, I like it because it's it's making fun of Time Lord, and you know it's it's just it's just clever. I liked it. I like rhymes, you know. I like rhymes. Uh, but with the with the double big lineup, man, I get why Stevens is doing it, right? I mean, first of all, we've played a lot of teams that also have two big guys so far to start the year, right? Like the Pacers start Sabonis and Turner, and the Pistons have like all power forwards. They don't have any guards, so like you need you need big guys to to match up on some level and you don't want to, you know, put um, Jason Tatum in a position where he has to play power forward for the entire season or Jalen mm-hmm. Brown to play power forward for the entire season. That's not necessarily sustainable. So while Kemba is out, it seems like this is the lineup that Stevens is going to, to, to really, you know, keep us uh, anchored and it's our best rebounding lineup. I think Steven sees a lot of potential in what it can be defensively. Now, it's been an app, you know, it's we've it, just been a gaping hole of of teams getting to the basket. Not so much for now, but but there is obviously like we said experimentation to be done. Yeah, yeah. So with the two big lineup, like I get why Stevens is doing it. I don't like that he's doing it, but I get it because I just, you know, I I would like for the Celtics to just win every single game and win it going away and like I don't think that's our best lineup. It just like just I don't think it is. It it clogs up everything for Tatum and Brown. Smart isn't a, a reliable shooter from distance, so he can't space the floor. So you basically have Tatum and Brown and three guys who can't shoot. So like that is such a late nineties offense, um, which is why it was so important that we figured out a way to manufacture those points that I talked about with Tatum with the Tatum and uh Tice pick and roll. Um you know, and with the other guys in the rotation, did did you happen to notice the one guy who was not in the rotation today? Grant Williams? Yeah, Grant didn't play. So yeah. St- Stevens decided to sit Grant and in favor of who? Who got the minutes instead of Grant? Uh, Semi got the minutes Semi, today. Semi, right? So it, t- to me, what I'm, what I'm seeing out of Stevens is he's experimenting and he's giving Grant, you know, first run at everything. He's like, I, I, I think he really likes what Grant can bring to the table. Um, Grant can stretch the floor a little bit, and he, you know, he's solid on defense. I think he's a little bit overrated on defense, but he, you know, he, he's definitely the most versatile of those big men. Yeah. And you know, so Stevens is going to give him more opportunities than he's going to give Semi. But Semi's probably been, you know, a more reliable player um, this year than Grant has been. Grant's had a couple nice games, but for the most part, I think Grant's had a bad start to the year yeah, um i would agree with that you know so th- in, yeah if, if go ahead good ahead. no i was just gonna say with 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 grant you know it, it's been 
one of the more disappointing parts, I, th- I would say, of the Celtics season for me to start, only because, you know, we touched on this in, in some of our preseason pods. I actually thought he didn't play enough at times in the bubble. Yeah. And there was times where you really saw some development with, you know, his his ability to hit that corner three or that open three when necessary. And, you know, not that he, you know, he hasn't had all bad games this year, but, but certainly it doesn't feel like there's been... Um, that same momentum carry over from the bubble. And on the flip, on the flip side of that, you know, Brad's going to pick his spots when it comes to the back end of the bench with semi and grant, but it feels like, you know, we shut down the Ojale factory. We thought the Ojale factory was gone. We thought it was, you know, we thought it was foreclosed on. We thought it was never coming back. And, you know, Semi's had a couple of moments here in the, in the early parts of the season that have kept him lingering around that rotation for Stevens. Yeah, Stevens loves Semi, and and you know he's he last year he shot thirty seven percent from three. I haven't looked at his numbers so far this year from three, but it just feels like the shots have a chance to go in this year. <laughs> you know, and uh, up up until last year, it really didn't feel like any Semi shot had a, had a prayer of going into the basket. So yeah, he I knocked think, down three today. Yeah, and you know, I always I also think Semi's defense is overrated. Um, you know, he, he was deemed our Giannis stopper a few years back and all that. And he's a solid defensive player, just like Daniel Tice is a very solid defensive player. Like he's always going to be in the right spot and he's, you know, he's a brick wall. So he offers a lot on the defensive end, which Stevens really likes. And, you know, with with uh, Time Lord, which the one guy in the rotation that I, I haven't talked about, you know, you I think feel mm-hmm. like you already covered what Thompson brings to the table. With yeah. Time Lord, you see the ceiling with that kid. And the ceiling just keeps getting higher and higher for him, in my opinion, just like with Jalen Brown. Now, it, it's admittedly starting much lower than where Jalen's ceiling is. Um, but he, he's doing so many things that impact the game just with his pure athleticism. And he's not putting himself in in situations in which he can be taken advantage of like he has in past years. You know, he's, for the most part, he's in the right spot this year. He's had a couple times where he's gotten exposed. But for the most, like today, for example, here's a, here's a good side-by-side comparison. What Daniel Tice offers versus what Robert Williams offers. Very similar plays. Uh, Daniel Tice draws a charge on Jeremy Grant off a pick-and-roll situation where Grant puts his shoulder down and Tice anticipates he's going to drive right, slides his feet, takes it in the chest, offensive foul going the other way, right? Mm -hmm. Probably five minutes later, Jeremy Grant has the exact same situation against Robert Williams. Robert Williams isn't willing to take the charge. He's trying to block the shot, and foul gets drawn. Grant gets two shots, you know? So it's like those little things that, is why Stevens prefers Tice over Time Lord is because Tice is a better positional defender and Time Lord is just a better athlete and you know he he impacts the game with his athleticism on a level that nobody else can do on the Celtics. So if if Time Lord can figure out a way to start taking charges or that you know be a little bit more Tice like and and get in Stevens good graces, I mean there's no reason why he shouldn't be playing 30 minutes a game. He's he's the most talented big man on the roster. Yeah, and I think you know we've seen like you said we've seen glimpses of that early on in the season and you know it's it's one of those things where I feel like on especially on Celtics Twitter you know there's going to be a lot of those 
you know, begging for more minutes for Robert Williams. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Stevens goes about managing those. And, you know, a lot of it, I think, as we've talked about, will be situational, depending on the team that we're playing against, depending on, you know, the versatility needed. Like you said, today we're facing, you know, two or the last two games. It's been really the two traditional bigs. And even versus the Pacers, it's kind of that same way where they they actually have the true power forward and center combo as opposed to center with kind of three wings and a ball handler, you know, going up against Blake Griffin and Plumley, and, and not to diverge too much from this, but I gotta say, just it's a little sad. I feel like watching Blake Griffin today. Mm. It's just so different. You know, we talked about him. I think a little bit during one of our you know Green Eighteen segments about I wonder what Blake Griffin is, and man, it's he's essentially an all perimeter guy now. I feel like I can't even remember him being in the paint throughout almost the entire game, mostly taking jump shots, utilizing pump fakes, and you know, even though. Blake in his heyday was never, you know, a, you know, interior defender that, you know, was, was going to lock down the rim. I mean, guy was still a 10 to 12 rebound a game guy for you. He was attacking the rim. He was always kind of, you know, in the mix. And and now just watching Blake was, I don't know if it was for you, but it was pretty shocking for me to see what, uh, what Blake Griffin looks like now. Yeah. And, you know, the a, a big moment in the game, I think actually was, I think it was with about five minutes left where Casey put Griffin back in the game because Sadiq Bey was killing us. And he took, he took out Sadiq Bey for Blake Griffin. And they had a good two game series. Yeah. Was, he, he's, he's, good. he's really good, man. I, I, I was surprised watching that kid. Um, but it, what happened? So Griffin comes into the game and the Celtics just ignored him. You know, because he's he's not going to the basket. He's standing up by the three point line, and you know we were happy for them to run that ridiculous uh, go to Plumlee pick and roll that they run. Uh, so you know, they <laughs> kept getting the ball to Plumlee, and then he would look opposite, and Blake Griffin would be there in the corner for the three. And the Celtics were like, "All right, we're not gonna not contest you, but we're not gonna run you off the line, Blake Griffin. Like, go ahead, shoot the shot." Um, yeah, he Blake, airballed one and missed. He airballed one, and then the other one had no chance and like barely hit the side of the rim. Yeah, so that was actually a big moment. Another thing, like I feel like if the if the Pistons wanted to try and win every game, they could probably be a lot better than they are. You know, they're not. Although they had a bad record coming in, I haven't looked at who they played. Like that, you can see you can see some really nice pieces on the squad, and the fact that they have to give so many minutes to Killian Hayes so that he develops since he's their top draft pick just kills them because that guy sucks um he, he's so bad don't, don't tell KOC that <laughs> yeah I know I feel so bad for KOC because he was so high he was like he should be the number one pick in the draft it's like oh, bro shitty uh he's he's yeah. not very good like I, he does a couple of things like I mean what's the difference between him and like campaign right now like there's mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like not much of a difference between those players um so they have to give so many minutes to Killian Hayes when they should just be playing Derrick Rose and then they have Dillion Wright who sucks too so if they could figure out you know their point guard situation I think that they would actually be a little bit dangerous because they got the kid uh who's it from Kentucky the shooter is he from Kentucky or the, Kansas? uh you're talking, you're talking about the the white kid Shvee, Ma- Ma- from, he's right He's Kansas, Makaluki yeah. way or I don't know how you say it. yeah that dude's name. wet man I actually thought he played good defense on Jalen too um yeah he was yeah. worrying me down the stretch that he was going to hit a couple of daggers to steal that game yeah, so like if 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 they played Derrick Rose, Shvi, Sadiq Bay, um, Jeremy Grant, and Plumley, like that's actually a pretty solid squad. I feel like they should probably play that lineup a little bit more. But we don't need to talk any more about the Pistons, man. Yeah, we don't got to talk about the Pistons, but I do think it brings up just an interesting, an interesting point where you know 
coming into this series, you know, the the Pistons now are one and five, we're four and three. The NBA has been a weird place, man. Just just overall, when you when you look at the the standings and you know some of the teams, the Nuggets out west are struggling. I believe they're one and four as of the recording of this podcast. Meanwhile, the Magic, Cavs, and Hawks are all four and two. The Knicks are five hundred. The Knicks have beat the Bucks and then also beat the um, who am I missing the other night? They beat another team. God, I'm missing it right now. E- either way, the Knicks the Knicks are actually relevant, which is insane that hasn't happened in forever so i got rj 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 having a great start julius randall the guy who i always think has been he's still young man right how old is julius randall he's probably like he's the same age as marcus i think he's one i think he's one year he's one year younger than marcus because he came out as a freshman marcus came out after two years at at oak state and marcus Mm -hmm. was the sixth pick randall was the seventh pick yeah i like julius he's he's still young as well he's he's always been underrated i don't know what it is that rubs people the wrong way maybe i haven't seen enough of him but every time i watch him he's always a guy that i feel like you could on a good team there's absolutely no reason Julius Randle can't be a core piece to a good team, at least from what I've seen of him. Yeah, I, I don't know enough about... Uh, I You're right. I've only watched him when he plays the Celtics, and he's the type of guy that just kills the Celtics, where he's so strong, and he can just like do one thing really well, which is get to his left hand. We've never had anybody that can stop him. Like I, I've made jokes about this on the pad before, but Grant Williams, that's what he offered to the Celtics last year, was someone that could actually bang with Julius Randle, because we had never yeah. had anyone that could do it. Um, so Julius Randle, I mean, I, I like him too, man. It, I would imagine it's some defensive limitation or... Or the fact that he's, you know, in the past been a little bit of a black hole on offense, but he had a triple double the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows, man? Julius Randle, you know, we we we've been on Julius Randle corner for a while, so we're gonna we're gonna stay there. We're gonna hold down the block. Yeah, and the greater point for those Celtics fans listening is that the NBA is still the Celtics are sorting themselves, and so is the NBA. Yeah, There's and I, a I don't lot going on. I don't normally look at records this early in the year. Like I, I usually look at records after like six weeks. So, mm-hmm. you know, you you can do it if you want, but I, I think it was on the Zach Lowe pod, he was making fun of Timberwolves fans for last year. They started out like 4-0 and and then like 7-4, and and they were just like tweeting out like, oh, we're going to be the worst team in the league, huh? It's like, oh, you ended up being the worst team in the league <laughs> yeah, exactly. because like a, a, anybody can be great in a 10-game sample size. Um, so, you know, Celtics, are, we're okay. We're going to, you know, we're, we have a lot of people that are freaking out and I... I'm making a resolution. My New Year's resolution right now. Let's get into it. We got to do some New Year's resolutions. What you got? Yeah. I'm going to stay off of Celtics Twitter when we lose because it's just, it's (laughs) so freaking negative. And it got to the point where I was like, you know what? Like the, the tweets that I'm putting out now are not like a good representation of my voice on Twitter or our voice on Twitter where mm-hmm. it got like too snarky and too back and forth. And you know, that, that's, that's not what, that's not the type of content we want to put out. If, if dudes like BB seven rings don't understand basketball and like, and, <laughs> and can't, can't see a balanced perspective of things like, yeah. dude, can we just talk about this for, for one second? This please, dude, please, man, please, man. This I, dude, believe me, I just hold on real quick before you, before you hop in. Um, so just, just for everyone referencing, when you see the Green with Envy podcast Twitter handle, it's a mixture of both Greg and I's thoughts. Majority of the time, it's going to be Greg. And if you see someone mixing it up with BB7 rings, it's just 100% Greg. 
Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> our buddy, our buddy Matt texted us and he was like, yo, what is wrong with this BB seven rings guy? Like, why does he hate coaches so much? And like, I was just like, man, maybe he got cut at a young age. Like, you know, he, he's had some coach that just turned him off of the whole idea. Um, uh, but I mean, this dude is just so his takes, uh, he, that's a problem with Twitter, right? I don't know who these people are. I don't know how much they know about basketball. And then, like, when you got guys saying that Brad Stevens is one of the worst coaches in the league and all he has to do is tell his guys to go to the basket and they'll go to the yeah. basket, like, that's just not how basketball works, bro. Like, if you if you saw today, Jason Tatum very easily could have held the ball and took a step back three against Blake Griffin. He was in the same position he'd been in and, and all those other times. And he decided, you know what? I'm going to do something a little different today. And because of the tendency that he has to shoot that step back jumper, I think when he took that hard step left, the reason mm-hmm. why Griffin like pretty much fell down is he was probably playing Tatum to shoot that shot. And then Tatum just took one dribble pull up game. So, you know, like you can tell players to do stuff, but all you can do is put them in positions for them to then make the ultimate decision. And like, all the, the you know, it is frustrating, BB7, to watch Celtics shoot three-pointers at the end of games when we want them to go to the basket, but they're not sitting there and just, like, jacking up three-point shots. They're, a lot of the shots are coming off of great action and great plays, and as a coach, that's all you can ask for because you're either going to make the shot or you're going to miss the shot at the end of the day, but if you get a good shot by the player that you want taking it, then Stevens is going to live with that. And if, if you don't agree with that philosophy, then you're never going to like rooting for Brad Stevens. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, that, and that's, and just, that's, that's, and that's been his MO. That's been his MO is following the process, not, not basing it off the result. And so, you know, if you really watch Stevens closely, there's a lot of times where, hey, if, as long as we get the shot that we were going for, that's, that's the win. The win is not whether it goes in or not because – there's sometimes it's just not going to go in mm-hmm. no matter how good you are, no matter which player has that shot. But if you get the shot that you're working for in that process, that's the win that Stevens is playing towards that he's betting on more times than not. If you follow the correct process, you'll get the end result that you're looking for. Yeah. That, that's more like tried and true, right. Versus just like, you know, taking a horrible shot making the shot and being like, Oh no, we, we can do that you know, every time. And that, that's the issue that a lot of people have with the Tatum step back threes as well. Is like, he's taking a shot that people don't think is the right shot, right? Mm-hmm. Where we would rather go through a different process to get, to get a shot like that. But um, that's my new year's resolution anyway, is to stay out of the, you know, out of the mix on Celtics Twitter when we lose. Um, I just don't need that negativity in my life. I'm trying to be super positive. I love basketball. I enjoy talking about it. I enjoy tweeting just my observations of the game. And if someone disagrees with my observations, like I can't let let that get me upset. Not that he upset me. It was just like I truly couldn't understand what this guy's point was. I was like, bro, what are yeah. you saying? Like, if you if you just hate Brad Stevens, that's what you do. You hate Brad Stevens. Like, we're gonna keep it moving here because I'm not gonna be able to change this guy's mind by like something that I yeah. tweet. And he's not going to just read one of my tweets and be like, you know what? I've been wrong for the past six years. Like Brad Stevens is a good coach. So I'm just going to keep it moving. That's my New Year's resolution. How about you? Well, my New Year's resolution would be to keep you in check. Keep you in check and hold you <laughs> accountable to make sure. Because I got I to gotta look out for your, for your mental health making, going forward here in 2021. Uh, this is a two-man job here. So I got to make sure that I got my teammates back here and that we can keep it moving forward here. So we got all positivity on the pod moving forward. Um, it is a new year. 
It's a lot going on. Very excited for what we're going to bring to everybody here just to give uh, a quick look at the week coming up here for the Celtics. We've got tomorrow night right back at it at Toronto, a.k.a. Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Raptors playing down in Tampa for the season. Uh, And then we're going to be swinging it over to Miami on Wednesday, Washington on Friday night, and then again Miami. This one will be in Boston, so it's not quite the same two-game series setup that we just experienced with the Pistons uh, and the Pacers, but we will play Miami twice in the same week. And we're going to have a preview of that series with part two or volume two. I'm not sure what we're going to call it yet. Heroes Among Us. We had our guy Alex Wilkerson, the Memphis Grizzlies, on last week. This week, we're going to have a good friend of ours, Raul Takahashi, coming on to get you guys all set up for this week in Miami Heat basketball. And we'll sprinkle in uh, some game reactions during the week as well. Anything else you got to add here, Greg, before we before we drop off this? Um, no, I'll, I'll save some of the thoughts for uh, later this week. Um and, you know, I'm, I'm ha- happy to do this, happy to be doing these podcasts into 2021. You know, we started them um, during quarantine, like all the other sports podcasts that were launched during quarantine by guys that needed uh, there, something there, there to do. There may have been time. a few. Yeah. yeah there so, may have been a few. Rumor has it. Yeah. So we're, we're just hoping that uh, y'all are enjoying the content. We appreciate you listening and tuning in. And uh, we're going to have my band, Black Sheep Optimus, play us out. Uh, stay tuned for more episodes coming this week. Let's go see. Peace.